Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. morning. Praise God. Let's go, if we will, the book of Philippians. How many love the Word? Oh, I tell you, God is so good. You know, there's an anticipation of a high you don't want to miss. You say, what do you mean by that? Can you imagine what it's going to be like to walk through those pearly gates. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Can you imagine what it's going to be like to be in the presence of Jesus physically? The presence of the Father. The angelic host. Hang around people like David and Paul and, and, and Joshua and Moses. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Well, here's the good news. God will give you a little slice of heaven to go to heaven in. Amen. I mean, he'll, he'll fix you right up right here on earth. Or I guarantee you, God will give you experiences, things that will happen. You'll be involved in meetings, different things like that, where you'll think, why did I ever settle for anything less than this? Why did I settle for anything less than this right here? So God's got great things planned for us, both here on earth and when we get to heaven. And I don't want to miss any of it. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 4. Did I tell you chapter 4? Chapter 4. Let's begin there. Now let me make a couple of statements before we get into this because we, from time to time, we teach along these lines. I've got two or three messages here in the next few weeks I'm going to try to teach so we can make it to fall harvest. And then I've got some series I want to start end of the year, beginning of the first of the year that we'll, we'll begin to study. Uh, but this particular uh, 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 message that I want to, to, to teach on this morning about walking in the peace of God, uh, we need to hear that on a repetitive basis all the time. Because there's all kind of stuff that comes and tries to steal your peace. You know, the peace of your finances, the peace of your health, uh, the peace of your mind, uh, just, just in life. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day, he, he got a flyer in the mail, they're having some kind of uh, guns, gun, gun uh, sale up at Bass Pro. So he was on his way up there to get him a gun because of ISIS. And I told him this, I said, well listen, if ISIS is coming down your street, it's probably too late to buy a, a, a gun. You're probably going to need a tank. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but man, he was all stirred up, man. I got to give a gun. I don't, you know, I got, I got a gun safe full of guns and, and all of mine are for hunting and, and doing that sort of thing. But, you know, I'm not so stirred up that I'm going to go buy a gun for, you know, to fight ISIS. There's, you know, if it's not ISIS, it's Ebola. <laughs> I heard somebody say, oh, I hope I don't get Ebola. Well, I hope you don't either. Hey man, I mean, they put that all over the news, you know, all this kind of stuff. This is incurable, that's incurable. These terrorists are doing that, these terrorists, the economy's going up, the economy's going down, Wall Street's doing this, Wall Street's doing this. Obama's printing all this money, all this is happening, this is happening. Listen, if you allow just life itself, it's going to put an enormous amount of pressure on you. And listen, you got to understand, this is not going to get any better out there. And if you don't learn to deal with the pressure of life now, as it increases, you're going to get in more and more trouble. The Bible says of the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. They tell us today that heart disease is the number one killer across the board around the world. And then they tell us the number one, the, the number one uh, cause of heart disease is stress. 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 
People say, oh, it's your diet. If you just get the right diet, you'll be fine. Now, come on, man. I know people that's lived for a long time eating nothing but tortilla and beans and, and, and fajitas. And how many know what I'm talking about? No, no, it's not your diet. It's stre- the stress of life. It's the stress of life. They say all, all of the cancers that get on people are stress-related. I knew a pastor that, that, that blessed, man, I mean, this guy had it going in every area of his ministry and life. And another friend of mine that was a pastor went to him while they were in a building project and said, man, you need to do something to get the stress off you. He just was stressing and stressing. About, you know, we're going to pay cash, we're going to do it all. And the building program was stretched out over about a 10-year period. And it just stretched him to the point where the enemy attacked his body and he couldn't get healed because he was so stressed. He died at an early age. Well, I ain't getting stressed over nothing. I said, I'm not getting stressed over nothing. I like what Brother Hagin said. He said he were fiddling with some keys one time going into his house. And he said his wife looked up at him and said, I think if me and the kids dropped over dead right now, you wouldn't worry a bit. He said, be too late to worry then. <laughs> but if God gives us a way of escape, we ought to take it. If God gives us a way to live stress-free, we ought to live stress-free. Amen. Because I'm telling you, if you know how to worry, and with the effort that you put into worry, you can take that effort and put it over into the kingdom thing, kingdom principles, and live stress-free. Have a good time, enjoy the abundant life, amen, and just go on down the road happy. Now, Philippians 4, did you find it? Let's look there in verse 6. Now, some of you might not like this, but I'm going to pray you get healed before it's over with. Verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, it shows us right there, this is where peace should reign. Peace should reign in our hearts. Everybody say, our hearts. And our minds. Everybody say our minds. So this also shows us where stress tries to come in and encroach on the peace of God. It tries to get into your mind and it tries to get into your heart. It says over in Proverbs to guard your heart. For in it are the issues of life. You've got to learn to guard your heart. How many have ever had a broken heart? How many know your heart wouldn't have got broken if you had guarded it? Amen. God doesn't want you to be broken hearted. He don't want your spirit to be broken. He wants you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. And God also wants you to be able to control your mind. Not only what comes in and goes out, but what goes on. So again, it says, let me read it in the Amplified. Verse 6 in the Amplified says this. Let me find it here. It says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot. Whatever sort that it is, that peace which transcends all understanding, now notice this, I like this, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that literally paints a picture of the peace of God standing guard as a military unit around your mind and heart. Oh, you missed a good opportunity to shout. Can you see that? 
The peace of God. You say, well, this is going on in my business. It's going on in my marriage. It's going on in my finance. That doesn't mean you can't have peace about it. Amen. Jesus said, take no thought. Everybody say, take no thought. That means thoughts are going to come, but it's up to you whether you're going to take them or not. And the problem is, so many Christians are conditioned, conditioned to taking every thought that comes. Just every thought that comes. Well, they said it on the news. They said it on the TV. It must be true. I heard it on the, ra- I heard it on the radio. I heard it on the internet. Where were we the other night? We... Had a little staff function Friday night. We were driving home. Was it that? I think it was when they were talking about all of the UFOs they were seeing. Did y'all hear that this weekend? Somewhere down in Chile and over in Mexico. Now, did you, they, they were talking about, it's been on the news. It's been, been on CNN. It's been on all these UFOs. And you could tell in the guy's voice that he was doing everything he could do uh, to get people stressed about UFOs in Chile. I thought to myself, come on, man. You know, you got something better to... Isn't there something more relevant to the news in Galveston, Texas, and Houston than than UFOs that are being seen every night? Strange lights in the sky. Come on, church. There's people that, you know, they they, they see a Frisbee going by. They call, did you see that UFO? I think the Martians are invading. Oh, my God. Better run to Bass Pro. The guns are on sale. Amen. And it's amazing how many Christians, how many spiritual people become expert warriors. My grandmother on my mother's side, Grandma Hanson, she was one of the most spiritual people. She could pray. She could intercede. She knew the word of God. God used her in the gifts of healing. But I want you to know she worried and worried and worried. She had always some. I mean, I remember one time we were down. My dad had a little ranch back in the, back in the 60s and 70s. And we were walking out. I'd gotten a new shotgun. We were going to try to find a rabbit to shoot. And as we're going to find, find a rabbit, she's telling me this horror story about my grandpa's brother going on a duck hunt and the shotgun slipped down in the wagon, went off and blew half his side away. I'm thinking, oh my God. I was going out to play baseball one day. It's right when the aluminum bats came out. When they first came out, they had a rubber stopper. And she said, well, Rusty, I'll tell you, last week in California, some guy hit the ball and the rubber stopper came out, hit the pitcher in the head and killed him. <laughs> You'll always have something to worry about if you allow it. But here's the thing. Take what God has given you and use it for peace. God is your answer. So we've got to begin to look at things that's going to help us to walk in the peace of God. Now, number one, or I say number one. Now, I know we've said this and preached it and taught it and, and, and done everything we can do to get it into you. But you've got to get this in your spirit. If you can get this one simple truth in your spirit, this is going to be so conducive to the peace of of God in your life. Number one, God loves you. Now, 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 you say, now, wait a second, wait a second. You don't know what I've been through. No, no, no. God loves you. God loves you. Now, our problem is, is what we do is take all the circumstances of our life And we try to view them as whether or not God loves us or not. Well, if God really loved me, I wouldn't have gone through this. I wouldn't have gone through that. He wouldn't allow this. He wouldn't allow that. You've got to understand something. God's done everything he can do to get an answer into your life. And none of the negative things we go through in life are of God. He would not even allow it. 
I've heard people say, well, God allows those things. No, he does not allow those things. Well, he could do something about it. He did. He sent his only son, Jesus. And according to the terms of justice that are on the earth today, according to his word, which he sets those terms, he has done everything he can do to get life and godliness to us. We've all had bad experiences. We've all gone through things. We've all had this happen and that happen. But the good news is, it was not God that got you into that. It's God that gets you out of it. It's God that is your answer. And he loves you. Say, I failed him. He loves you, but I'm addicted. He loves you just as you are. He loves you. Everybody say, God loves me. Say, God loves me. Say, God loves me. You've got to get that into your heart and spirit that God loves you. That you're a favorite. The Bible says he has tattooed you on the palm of his hand. That you are the apple of his eye. You got to act like that God, you're his only child. You know, only children get preferential treatment. I know I got one. She don't like it either. She always saying, I don't like being an only child. I said, boy, I would have loved to have been an only child. <laughs> Amen. But you've got to understand, as far as God's concerned, he sees you in Christ. I said, he sees you in Christ. He sees you as an individual. He sees you for who you are. The Bible says you are gloriously and wondrously made. He has plans for you. He has stuff for you. He wants to bless you spiritually, physically, financially. I mean, God loves you. And you've got to learn to embrace or to respond to the love of God or you'll never know it. You'll never know it. When, when Breland was born, our, 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 our girl, she's 13. I guess she's working back in the kid current uh, today. When Breland was born, I was still traveling. And so, you know how babies are. They cling to mama a lot. And Leah was always trying to get a response out of Breland. Now, when Breland was born into our family, everything in the family, it belonged to her. It was hers. I mean, she's part of the family. Amen. But, but she not really responded. So I'd come in for meetings and Breland, Leah would be holding Breland. And she'd say, there's daddy, there's daddy, there's daddy. And Breland would just kind of turn her head. She, would, you know, she wouldn't make much of a response. But then one day I came in from a meeting. I think I'd been gone for four or five days. And I came in, put my bags down. And Leah and Breland came walking in. And she had Breland in her arms. And she said, now Breland, there's daddy. And Breland went like this. <laughs> now when she did that... Although she owned everything that was mine, I was like, what do you want? You want a Lexus? <laughs> you want a Rolex? What do you want? Want a big old wad of cash? Whatever you want. I mean, when she responded, it took me to another level. I said, it took me to another level of love. I mean, I knew the baby loved me. I knew she loved me. But once she exhibited it once she opened up her arms and put that smile she recognized and responded to my love oh that's I pull out all the stops man and she knows to this day how to do it that's fine with me daddy loves her I said daddy loves her she'll know that her whole life but if I being evil know how to good good give good gifts unto my children how much more will the heavenly father when all we do is God loves me how much more is he going to bless us and heal us and prosper us if we will just respond to his love now why are you there why are you there go to Romans real quick Romans chapter 8 look at this scripture one of my favorites very familiar portion of scripture Romans 8 32 now, now listen to, listen to the 
Although the word love is not in here, this is an expression of his love. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amplified. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son but gave him up for us all. Will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? I read one translation that said, If God spared not the greatest gift in heaven, what makes you think that he would withhold all of the lesser gifts from you? The Lord spoke to me one time. I was meditating on the scripture. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I've given it freely. The problem with my children is they don't freely receive. We've got to learn to freely receive from God. He loves us so much. Did you know he's the father. Now think about this a moment. He's the father of one family. Everybody say one family. In two different locations. First of all, there's the family in heaven. Now can you imagine in heaven... What must be going on right now? Well, they're not worried about Ebola. Or ISIS. Or UFOs. There's joy unspeakable, full of glory. Uh, There's the presence of God. There's the angelic host. There's Jesus. There's the streets made with the purest gold. I mean, God has just made what? Full provision for them. Now, do you think he's any less of a father to us on earth than he is to them in heaven? Absolutely not. If he was, he'd be an unjust God. Paul, the great prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. See, God does not distinguish whether you're on heaven or earth. He's got provision for the earthly family. He's got provision for the heavenly family. He's got blessing for the earthly family. He's got blessing for the heavenly family. He loves you enough to be a righteous father. I said he loves you enough to be a righteous father. But you have to let him. One thing that's not involved. In the father-son, father-daughter relationship on earth is the will of the child. There's the will of the father, but there's not the will of the child. But on the earth, there is the will of the child between the father. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to respond to God. I'm going to receive his love. God loves me. Well, you've made a mistake. God loves me. Well, you failed. Made a mistake. God loves me. Well, you've fallen down. God loves me. No matter what, no matter where, no matter when, God loves me. You can fight doctrine, you can fight religion, you can fight churchianity, you can fight all of that, but you can't fight the love of God once it gets a hold of you. So, you've got to respond to the love of God. Now go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Secondly, you've got to learn to get rid of worry. Get rid of cares. Get rid of all the stuff that weights you down. Because if you don't, it's going to wear you out. Did you know everybody has a load limit? Amen. Now I drive a pickup because I live kind of an active lifestyle. So I need a pickup more than I need a car. And on that pickup, there's a load limit. And if I exceed that load limit, something's going to break down. Now that's what, that, that's what you, you, you get into the study of why people get sick and all these kind of things. Many people, and this is sad to say, in the body of Christ are carrying too heavy of a load. 
They're too weighted down with cares. Too weighted down with problems. So number one, you get a revelation that God loves you. That you shouldn't worry. And I tell you, people get mad at me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's just as much a sin to worry as it is to go rob the bank. It's just as much a sin to worry as it is to go smoke crack or do heroin or anything. It's just as much sin to worry. Actually, if you got revelation of the provision of God, it's probably more of a sin to worry. People say, well, if I don't worry, what am I going to do? You're going to be at peace. So number one, you begin to receive the love of God. How do I respond? Just every day. Thank you, Father, that you love me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Your love for me is overwhelming. It's so good. It's so, I can't even imagine all of the things that you have planned for me in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. I know you've got provision for my body. I know you've got provision for my mind and my finances, for my family. I know that all my steps are ordered of you. I know that you love me with a love that passes understanding. I respond to that love today by worshiping, thanking you for it, and giving love back to you. I love you heavenly father I love you father God you are my Jehovah Jireh you are my Jehovah Shalom my peace you are my Jehovah uh, Sidkenu my righteousness you are my Jehovah Rapha my healer I mean you just keep on going. next thing you know you begin to get that love tiger secondly you've got to get rid of your cares now notice what it says here let me find it number one verse six first Peter chapter five verse six. First Peter chapter five verse six humble yourselves Who's going to do it? You. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Everybody say, the mighty hand of God. Now, how many like to do, anybody like to do Bible studies, go in there and like pick something out and do it? Nobody? Oh, my goodness. You ought to go do a study of the term, the hand of the Lord. And look what happens when the hand of God comes on people. You talk, you talk about why. You talk about Superman. You talk about superwoman. You let the hand of God come on you. But now notice what it says. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble. Humble. You say, now what is that? What does that mean to humble yourself? Number one, most of us have opinions developed through experience. Let me say that again. Most of us have opinions developed through experience. Here, here's a good illustration. Here we're fixing to be, I think last night we watched the news. Uh, we're about six days or seven days from the first fall cold front. Going to come through, they say, next Thursday, next Friday. Temperature's going to drop a few degrees. Fall's going to be in the air. Amen. So there's a lot of people, we say this every year, and I can always tell some people get a little agitated with it. When I say we don't believe in allergy season. Amen. 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 I say we don't believe in allergy season. We don't believe in flu season. But every year for the past 40 years, when the first cold front comes through, you start sneezing, you start hacking, you start coming, you know, I, I tell you, I'm so tired of that preacher saying we don't believe in allergy season and I'm the one that's got to take all this allergy medication and I got to go to the doctor to get a shot and I can't go outside and I'm this and I'm that. So you've got an opinion Based on your experience. But then God says that he, by the stripes of Jesus, will heal your body. So you've got to make a decision whether you're going to let your opinion, based on your circumstance, supersede the word. 
in which you say, well, you know, pastor, I'll tell you, I've tried for years to get healed. I just can't get healed. I, I still take the medicine. I still got to do this. the allergy season comes and I, and I, and I sneeze the whole fall. And then as soon as winter hits, I get the flu. And I've done it every year. It's happened every year. It's, ha- it's just going to, ha- it's going to happen. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Yes, there is something I can do about it. I can tell you is that you have allowed a stronghold of thought to supersede itself above the knowledge of God. So what you've got to do is humble yourself. And to begin to say, allergy season and allergies in my body are not stronger than the healing power of God. That's where it starts right there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reverse. I'm going to take this opinion and put it under the word of God. Which means more than I believe, even when I'm sneezing. More than I believe, even when I'm coughing. More than I believe, even when my eyes are itching. More than I believe, even when my nose is running. More than I believe this allergy is attacking my body. I believe that by his stripes I'm healed. Amen? Amen? You say, now, now, now what if I don't do that? Then the opposite of humility is going on in your life. Which is what? Anybody know? Pride. And God hates pride. I'd rather limp around on a broken leg for three years telling everybody my leg is healed and submitting to the word of God and submitting to what God says and saying the facts may be my legs broke. The truth is I'm healed in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Than I would to allow pride to supersede itself over the word of God and cause God's hand not to come on me. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time or in due season. Which means there is a process in which the problem can run its course, but God's hand will eventually come upon you and get you out of that. If you'll what? Humble yourself. Now notice the next verse. Casting... All your cares, all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, most people out there, that's where they have the biggest problem. Casting their cares. Everybody say, cast my cares. Cast my, because most people will cast their cares. Because see, our our idea, every time we hear, how many when you hear the word casting, you think of fishing? I mean, we live on a coast and people do a lot of, when you hear the word casting, you think of fishing. So what do we do when we fish? We cast. And reel it back in. And we cast again. And we reel it back in. Well, years ago, I had this reel. It was kind of messed up and had a little nick, nick in, the, in the spool. And every once in a while, that nick would hit a certain angle. It cut the line. And this is, when I was in Bible school in 1984, I was down the island, uh, right off the end of the seawall, wade fishing down there, catching trout. Beautiful emerald green water, trout were everywhere. And I had four or five on my stringer, just having a blast. And I'll never forget, I had this big old balsa wood cork about that big. I had it several years. I had a leader, I had a weight under it, I had a leader made up. And I remember getting this big old jumbo shrimp out of my bucket and hooked it off. Oh man, catch me about a five pound trout with it. And I casted. And when I casted, right at the end of that cast, that line caught on that nick in the spool and it cut the line. And that, that cork and that shrimp and that leader went about three times further than I could cast it because it was cut off. It just sailed out there. It hit the water, bounced one time, was gone. I never saw it again. I never saw it again. One year in thinking about that, the Lord said, that's what you have to do with your cares. You have to cast them and cut the line. Where you don't reel them back in. Because see, you can come to a service and get teaching like this. Oh, I'm going to cast my cares. I'm going to cast my cares. I'm going to go up there and get prayer. I'm going to cast my cares. I'm going to cast my And then tomorrow afternoon, you start doing what? With words 
thoughts and actions, you start reeling them back in. Well, the feeling's gone and my nose is running and I've had to take some medicine and then you start thinking, amen, you start thinking, um, and see then, listen, here's the thing. You do have the right to control what comes in and goes out of your mind. Let me say that again. You do have the right, no matter how tormented you may be in your mind, you do have the right to control what comes in and goes out of your mind. You don't have to be subject to every thought that flies through your mind. The Bible says, Jesus said, take no thought. That means they're going to come. Man, I got them coming all the time. I just don't take them. I let them come in go out. Come in go out. Come in go out. My front door that stays open, my back door is just as wide. A lot of people, they start taking those thoughts, taking those thoughts, taking those thoughts, taking those thoughts, taking those thoughts. No, 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 no. Let them go. You say, how did you do that? You begin to think the thoughts of God. But you stop the processes of the thoughts tormenting your mind by your words. You know, sometimes, some of you just going to have to come to a place where you stomp your foot and say, that's it. I'm not thinking that way no more. I am not mind. You're not thinking that way anymore. You're not thinking doubt. You're not thinking unbelief. You're not thinking lack. You're not thinking lonely. You're not thinking none of that stuff anymore. In the name of Jesus, you're not thinking that way anymore. And then you put a guard over your mind. And you begin to watch what you think. And when those things, listen... Just because a thought comes, oh, this is so good. Just because a thought comes does not mean you have to entertain it. Because a lot of people let a thought come in, they'll start entertaining that thought. They'll start turning it around. They'll start looking at it, examining it. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to look around at that thought, look around at that thought. Because you know what his intention is. He wants you to say it. Say it. You know it's right. Say it. I'm going to say it. I'm mad. I'm upset. I tell you, I'm not going to make it. They say I'm going to make it if I give a little money. I'm not going to make it. I've proved it. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be hurt. I'm gonna, and you just let it all come out. And the devil gets on the other side and says, you've done it now. I preacher said, you'll have what you say. Now, you done said it all. Get ready. You're fixing to get it all. Now, listen, let me just say something about the devil. He doesn't play, he doesn't play fair. I said, he doesn't play fair. He's not going to play fair. He's going to try to keep you in bondage. He's going to try to keep your mind in a gear of doubt and unbelief. But you're going to have to what? Humble yourself and you're going to have to cast your cares. You know, one of the greatest prayers you can ever pray is a prayer of release. Where you get on your knees and say, God, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to fret over this. I'm not going to carry this thing. I'm not going to have this in my life the way it is right now. I am not carrying the care. I give it to you. Now, have you noticed in your life, everything you worry about, you can't do anything about it anyway. Amen. If there was something you could do about it, you'd be doing it. But there's nothing you can do about it. So why carry it? So why carry it? Cast it on the Lord. Now let me close with this. My time's up. Is this helping you this morning? Let me close with this. Oh, I got to read that in the Amplified. Cast all your care upon him for he careth for you. In the Amplified, verse 7. Casting the whole of all your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Verse 8. Be sober. 
Now see, that's people right there say, well, that's not me. I'm not addicted. I'm not drinking no whiskey. I ain't smoking no crack. I'm sober. The thing that will intoxicate you the most is not a foreign substance you put in your body. The thing that will intoxicate you the most is a circumstance or situation you are going through without faith. You will come under the influence of that. Man, you'll get on the internet and you'll research and you'll go to the library and you'll watch the news reports and you'll do this and you'll do that and you'll get so stirred up and you'll get so anxious it'll rob you of your peace, it'll rob you of your sleep, it'll rob you of everything that God's trying to give you. You say, well, how can I be sober? Sober up. Get under the influence of the word. Allow the sobriety that the word brings, the clarity of thinking, the clarity of heart, and the clarity of mind that the word imparts to you. People think, well, I can't go around saying them scriptures all day long. Yes, you can. Quit saying I can't. Anything you ever say I can't to, you're right about. Anything you say I can to, you're right about. Oh, you just missed a good opportunity to shout. Let me say that again. Anything you say I can't to, you're right about. Anything you say I can to, you're right about. So with the same effort you're saying I can't, why don't you start saying I can? I can pay my bills. I can get ahead. I can be healed. I can prosper. I can understand that word. I can have joy. I can have peace. Instead of saying I can't, I can't, I can't. Cast all your cares. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now here's verse, verse 9. Whom resist? Everybody say resist. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. That word resist in the Greek is actively oppose. Now let me ask you a question. Is coming to church and sitting on the chair... And singing with the praise team and listening to the word and putting some money in the offering, is that the extent of your resistance? If it is, then you have, you have victory for what? An hour and 30 minutes once a week. Amen? Now think about that. If this is the extent of your resistance. But if you make a decision, man, I'm just going there to get armed and dangerous. I'm going to be victorious this week. Glory to God. I tell you, I'm going to walk in the peace of God. That peace that passes all understanding. That means whenever circumstance, every situation of your life tells you there's no reason you should have any peace, you've got peace. You just got the peace of God. You're walking around. You're, you're calm. Uh, you're happy. Uh, you're delightful. Uh, everywhere you go, you're not spreading that unbelief. You're just thankful to God. But you're going to have to do what? Actively oppose who? The devil. Now the Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is a roaring lion. But you've got to understand the concept of the roaring lion. Has anybody ever done a study on lions? It's pretty interesting. The male, you know the big male lions with the big mane and everything? Those guys, by the time they're about five years old, all they do is lay around. That's all they do. They lay around and they're waited on hand and foot. Now the, ra- the, way, the reason this is is because from the time they're about a year old till they're about five years old, they exert their dominance 
The females go out and hunt and kill. Now they've got their impala or they've got whatever they're, they're sitting there eating it. They're having, and then this big old lion will walk up and just start going, roar, roar, roar. And his roar gets so intimidating, they just run off. And he goes over there and just eats. He ain't hunted. He ain't killed. He ain't done nothing. He just goes over there and start eating. So he finishes that. He goes, finds him some other lion, some other lion. And he goes and finds him, and they're done kill something. And he sees him, he says, well, I'm not quite full enough yet, so I'm going to go run all these off. And he starts going, roar, roar, roar. He ain't bit nobody. <laughs> he ain't clawed nobody. Now, they tell us this. The dominant female, especially if it's that lion's mother, when that lion comes up and starts doing that, she'll turn one time. And roar, and he'll turn around and tuck his tail and walk off. <laughs> she may be old and scraggly and wore out from hunting, but that's all it takes is that one roar from her, and he's gone. He's out of here. I'll go find somebody else where there's not as much resistance. And that's exactly what the enemy's tried to do to you. He comes up, you've got the victory of God here. You're eating the victory of God. You're enjoying the victory of God. You want the peace of God. And he comes up, he just starts roaring. Roar, 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 roar. Roaring in your mind. Roaring in your body. Roaring in your finances. You've got to actively, you've got to resist. Everybody say resist. You know, years ago when Brother Osteen was teaching us on redemption, he painted the picture of the, of the devil as a skunk. And Jesus running over him on the highway of eternity. <laughs> Just squishing him flat as a pancake. He said, but the only thing that is left is the smell. Because you can run on, I don't know if you've ever, especially down in South Texas in the summertime. Man, you can run over a skunk and that thing will die. And you can drive by there three days later and that stink will be in your car for, for two hours. Amen. But the skunk is dead. He's dead. Now you got to understand, the Satan's defeated. He's under our feet. The Bible says Jesus made a show of him. Spoiled principalities and powers made a show. He ran over that skunk. But see, now he's got these. He wants you to respond to the smell. Smells like cancer. Smells like debt. Smells like doubt. Smells like depression. Smells like addiction. Smells like divorce. And what's he wanting you to do? He's wanting you to respond to the smell. But see, what you got to do is you got to get you a can of Holy Ghost Lysol. Now, let me tell you why I say Lysol. Because, see, I listen to the commercials. And the Bible says about Lysol, it doesn't cover up the smell. It eliminates the smell. Amen. And so when the devil rises up and he's bringing this stink into you. Have you ever had the devil bring a stink into your life? And he's wanting you to say it and act upon it and worry about it and be all kinds of stressed. But God's wanting you happy. So you got to get into the Word of God and you got to spray some of that Holy Ghost by his stripes, I'm healed. And just spray it all around till the smell's eliminated. Now, some stinks are stronger than others. Amen. But if you'll make a decision to resist the adversary, that word is active opposition. I mean, if you came, if you, came uh, you know, after the service, shook my hand, you know, and tried to start taking my wedding ring off, I'd resist. I'd say, what you doing, sucker? Try to take my ring like that. Try to slip my watch. I just thought I'd take your watch back. Yeah, right. Go ahead and try. I would muster some resistance. And if my resistance wasn't enough, I'd get some other people come help me. See what I'm saying? 
It's amazing how resistant we are in the material realm to people that try to get your stuff. But in the spirit realm, we just like, you know, just, just beat my brains out. Yeah. And then, and then we come dragging it. I tell you, the devil been whooping me. I tell you all week long. He been whooping me with a knotted prowler. I'm telling you, I'm so beat up. I don't know what to, why? Resist the devil at home. Resist the devil at the job. Resist him in your car. Allow the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Because when the enemy is trying to disturb that peace that's in your life, you need to do something about it. I'm not here to do something about it. I'm here to show you what to do. Respond to the love of God. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. You're not the source of this problem. You didn't bring this stink into my life. Thank you, Lord. You've made provision. I might not have all the knowledge and wisdom that I need, but I'm going to get it. So I'm going to worship and thank you and praise you. Secondly, devil, you're a liar. How dare you come into my finances? How dare you come into my house? How dare you attack my body? How dare you attack my children? How dare you attack my mind? You say, do you ever holler when you do that? I do it all the time. You say, why? Sometimes the devil's deaf. You got to let him know you mean it. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. That means the enemy is going to bring a violent, but it says the violent rise up and take it by force. With the same effort you're in doubt, with the same effort you're in unbelief, with the same effort that you're in, you're in worry and anxiety, you can be over on the peace of God's side. And isn't that so much better? I'm not going to worry about this building program. I'm not going to worry about this land. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to have anxiety of any kind. I don't care what happens. We're have, we can have 15 hurricanes hit us at one time. It ain't going to make any difference to me. I'm going to serve God and rejoice and be blessed. That doesn't mean there's not going to be attacks that are coming. But it means that we can have the peace of God through everything we go through. If we will make a decision not to worry. Not to have anxiety, to roll our cares on the Lord, to pray those prayers of the Some of you right now, just in my spirit, the Holy Ghost just said, some of you have children that you're worried about. And you've worried and worried about children and grandchildren. You need to give them over to the Lord. You need to say, Lord, I can't do anything with them. I pray laborers across their path. I break the power of the devil over their life. But I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to give you my children. I'm going to give you my marriage. I'm going to give you my finances. I'm going to give you my physical health. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to make a decision to trust the Lord. Amen. You love God. Lift your hands up and thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.